Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Save on glasses for classes at iMart Express. For a limited time, get two pairs of glasses with KidSafe polycarbonate lenses and a free frame warranty for just $79, a $200 value. And with a lens lab in every store, over 90% of glasses are made the same day. You'll also find a great selection of kids' frames to choose from. But hurry, two pairs with polycarbonate lenses for $79 and soon. Get the best back-to-school savings at iMart Express. Right glasses, right price, right now. Find your store at iMartExpress.com. Podcast One presents Let Lisa Help. Former insult comic Lisa Lampanelli is now a full-fledged life coach, and she wants to help you whether you like it or not. Join the former queen of mean as she continues her journey as the queen of meaning. She'll share her life experiences, the tools she's learned along the way, and a healthy dose of humor. So if you have a problem, let Lisa help. And now, here's your host, Lisa Lampanelli. Hey everybody, it's Lisa Lampanelli, the queen of meaning, and I am here on the latest episode of Let Lisa Help, the podcast that will help you if you let us. But don't let us see if I care. Today on the show, I have my good friend, actor, internet sensation, Josh Peck from the sitcom Drake and Josh, or as I like to call it, Josh and Drake, because let me tell you truthfully... Drake ain't my friend. Josh is. We'll talk about food, weight issues, trying to fill the hole with anything and everything, and those crazy Coke years. Yas! Here's my interview with Josh Peck. This is Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, formerly the queen of mean, now the queen of meaning. And you're listening to my podcast. And you're listening to my podcast. Leave it in. People need to know I'm perfect. My podcast, Let Lisa Help. Here on Podcast One, I'm super excited because my podcast, as you know, helps all people. Well, I kind of force them to be helped. It should be really called Take My Advice, Please, Wacka Wacka. Today, I have one of my favorite people in the studio. We did a movie together. That was the highly unacclaimed Drillbit Taylor. <laughs> he played my son, and he was a bully in that movie, but in real life, he's a sweetheart, and we've become friends, which you can't believe because he's way cooler than me. Josh Peck is here. Thank you. Josh Peck, thank you for being the only person who, when I text you in front of my friends to show off to their kids, actually gets back to me. I believe that that is an unappreciated appreciated art amongst the celebrity yeah, folk. I do too. Like once I texted Jim Carrey just to show off in food rehab. Yeah. Didn't hear from him for till three days later. I'm like, it's too effing late now. What are you doing, Jim? Busy painting? Yeah. <laughs> to paint and do saying. Give me a break. Well, the thing is, what's so funny with you, I always have to show off to the under uh, the kids under 20. Sure. Oh, they love you. It's my demo. Uh, yeah, it is. My and fan you, base. Are you under 20 still? That's <laughs> <laughs> so why I grew out the beard. I'm trying to, you know, mature myself a little bit. And you're bit only here. butched up. Thank you. <laughs> I need it. I'm such a musical theater freaking wackadoo as it did is. Did you do musical theater as a kid? And not only did I do it, I majored in it <gasps> at a performing arts high school. Oy vey. I know. Can and then where 
college. Did you go to college or didn't you? <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I'm just curious. I'm, no, wait, so you, where was your performing arts high school? In California? No, no, no. In New York. Uh, oh I went there God. sixth to ninth grade, and then I moved to L.A. and gave up my childhood for fame. I love that. <laughs> and you know what else I love about you? You're super handsome now. You were, always were, but you're super in shape. You are super buff. You are like Mr. Freaking. I lost my weight and I kept it off. And a lot of my listeners struggle with food and body image because, duh, that's been my struggle for, you know, 50-something years. Yeah. So what was it about you that said, you know what? I got to get this off. I'm taking it off and it's going to stay. Well, and I don't mean to do this because I'm not that guy, but you look incredible. I better than ever. Beautiful. Look, excuse me, Miss Arthur Murray Dance Studio. Oh, I have become a ballroom dancer. Are you proud? I'm so proud. I'm also proud on double a double level because originally when we talked for my pod, what was it last year? Mm -hmm. You were like, I don't like the fitness. I don't like the movement. No exercise. I don't know what happened. It was magical. And what a great way to a you know do something you love and b just throwing a little cardio with it. Like you melded your world. I even used to say I give food and body image workshops as you know. Big one coming up at Kropalu in the Berkshires in November. That was such a like a yenta e plug. <laughs> yes. But let me tell you something. I even said during the workshops, I don't like this movement. And if you don't either, don't worry about it, ladies. It'll happen when it's supposed to. That's what happened with the dancing. I had to do a charity dance thing. I loved it. And it's something about connection. Mm. Like In a gym, I never connected to anyone because I was always looking down because I was like, oh, they think I'm fat and oh my God, what do they think of me? Now with dancing, you're forced to look some guy in the eyes, which is like real weird. I bet. And what's weird is I got me a straight guy coach, which is even weirder because I'm like, oh my God, you know, I got to take a risk of being vulnerable. Mm. So is vulnerability, how is that for you, by the way? Because did you used to use weight as a way of sort of disconnecting from people? I think so. I, I I always say that I went into situations imagining that I was at a disadvantage when I was fat, mm. that I had to go win over the audience, right. win over anyone in a personal connection because I just felt like people made a snap judgment about you when you were fat. Sure, sure. And there was no value to it. I was in a family of like heavier people. Mm-hmm. So it was like everyone was sort of judging one another anyway. And mm. we were very like just food crazed, food food based. And, and it wasn't, you know, I laugh like I had if I was Samoan, I would have been the perfect size. Yes. <laughs> you know? Oh, my God. You were a 10. Ugh, I'd be crushing it in <laughs> French Polynesia. A Samoan 10, a New York 3. Yes. Now, but you, would, did you always used to get such a pretty face kind of comments? Like, oh, you're so handsome. If you'd only lose the weight. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you were only not morbidly obese. Well, well, the good thing about me was I was never particularly attractive. So it was like, not even the pretty face. Says but you. now I'm freaking gorgeous. And you know what's weird? I have reverse body dysmorphia where I think... I think I'm like 19 and adorable. I fucking love it. Don't you? I, are love we allowed it? to curse in your pod? I mean, they're going to bleep it. Oh, because so oh, it's pod no. Fucking ass. I take it all back. <laughs> this is my favorite comment after I lost all the weight that people would say to me. Yeah. They'd look at me and go, You have blue eyes. <gasps> <laughs> they couldn't see them. Because they were so wrapped in the folds of fat. <laughs> In your face. No, but isn't it funny? People, because well, they're actually looking you in the eye. I think that's actually a big statement mm. because with bigger people, we often feel like we can't look anyone in the eye. You know, I would walk into things like I like how you said we went in at a disadvantage. Mm. And how did that happen with auditions, though? Because you're a kid actor. How old were you when you started to act? And 10. You know, so you're going on auditions. 
Could you summon up the nerve to be confident and look people in the eye despite the weight? Yeah, I definitely had a shtick mm-hmm. and I had developed, you know, it's all these defense mechanisms that we accrue to keep the world at bay. Right. And so right. I all of a sudden had this like little, you know, I had all this ammo ready to go. Mm-hmm. And I also knew within my niche, I was one of the best. Right. Like right. I knew how to be the chubby, funny kid. Right. So right. there was, you know, my mom always said when we moved out to LA and they'd say, how could you give up? your whole life in New York for your kid and his career like that just makes you a weirdo stage mom and she's like look yes but she she said I knew it gave my kid confidence wow and then it made him believe in himself and if it had been little league or an instrument or the debate team I would have helped him with that but it just so happened it was this like specific thing that made us relocate so yeah acting in a weird way saved me because it did it did give me that extra bit of confidence that I was so lacking. Right, because I think, you know, with confidence, people think, oh, I'll get up the nerve to do it and get confident, then I'll take action. Mm. And it's, I think, the complete opposite. You have to do the action that gives you confidence. Yes. So suddenly, with even somebody like me going, well, I got to do this dancing thing for this charity, so I'm going to do it. And just the going to the studio is like, oh, I'm suddenly going, oh, I can do this. So now I'm a confident dancer. I'm not good. But I'm confident, at least. Confident enough to keep going. So with you, it's almost like the more you auditioned, the more confident you got. And don't you find that confidence is so intoxicating? Oh, yeah. It's like the thing that people love about other people. Yeah. Yeah, Because that's why we look at some people and go, I don't think they're conventionally pretty or, you know, handsome, but there's something about them. Mm. I'd rather be the confident, ugly girl than the pretty, unconfident girl. Yes. I'd rather be the dancer who thinks they're great, who really isn't, rather than the one who's phenomenal and has bad self-esteem about it. And do you find like as, you know, as a stand up, that's to me what I've what what has been revealed to me is like what you want in a great comedic performer is someone where you feel like you're on the journey and they're guiding you. Mm. Like, isn't that where you run into issues immediately? Like if all of a sudden the audience feels like you've lost your way is when you lose them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Because they want to know you're in control of that situation and you can keep going, Mm. which is wild because now that I transferred to being a coach, a life coach, it's like, Sometimes I'll start making the phone call to somebody, you know, do a coaching session. I'll go, what if I can't think of anything? What if I can't think of a tool for them? What if I can't do it? And it's like, calm down. You got like 800 tools that you learned. You got all this life experience in your gut. You know what's right. It's us just going, I got everything. You know what it is? Saying I have everything inside me already that I need. Yes. You know, because when you'd go into, say, an audition, because you got, how many auditions did it take to get Drake and Josh or Josh and Drake, as I call it? I, who knows? I mean, I've probably been on 500 auditions in my life if I'm, if I'm thinking about it. And I actually was on, Amanda Bynes had Mm -hmm. a sketch Mm -hmm. comedy show that I was on first and that Mm -hmm. sort of spun off Drake and Josh. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there were so many moments in which, and still to this day, like, I'll go out for pilot season at mm-hmm. 32 years old, having yeah. had, like, success. Like, yes, I've yes. had an awesome, like, really lucky career in many ways with ups and downs as most careers, and yet still can walk into those rooms and walk out feeling like, what am I doing here? Uh-huh. I'm a fraud. Right. <laughs> and, right. like, I-, I can't believe I haven't hung it up yet after 20 years. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because now I'm not getting recognized. Mm. And I'm okay with it, but it still cracks me up because I go, what happened? I'm like, what happened where I, because everybody young is coming up. 
Yes. So I remember being with my niece who's on the podcast, and that's why we drink. And they, we were at the Webby Awards, and people ran up to our table. And at first, I'm like, oh, my God, I've been recognized. <laughs> and it's like, she was. Right. And I was like, that's – but see, because she's a relative and such a good person, I'm so happy. And I take – I'm like, do you want me to take a picture of you guys? But isn't it interesting the way we go, oh, there's people coming up who are supposed to – be bigger than us now. Like, mm. for instance, the people like Joan Rivers, who were very jealous of people in the past who would come up on her heels. They were. Like, That's not the way to do it. Yeah. Just be happy for that person. But we can't let that shake that, oh, we did something and we still are at least doing things on our terms. Yeah. I. You know, it for me, it's weird because I'm in the last couple of years, my show, people think of like Drake and Josh and the stuff that I did. And they're like, God, what was it like when it was on TV? And I'm like, nothing. Right. No one cared. Wow. It's actually way more relevant now. So it's, it's double weird. Cause I get more recognized than ever. Wow. And yet, and then, but people in the back of their, their head go like, Oh, like, but you were on this thing 10 years ago. I'm like, trust me, none of you cared 10 years ago. Yeah. Like, I'm glad it meant something like back then, but the reality is now I've always been this. Right. The public persona was, well, you were on friends. You were on the kids version of friggin' yeah, Seinfeld yeah, right. to us, you know? But to me, I'm like, no, I had a job for a few years. That was awesome. Mm-hmm. But then when it was done, I got right back in line being a journeyman actor that I, I've always been and I will always be. Right. And that's, and I don't take any issue with it. And the, so the only time it annoys me is when people say like, I've, my nephew the other day was like, do you ever want to be on like a big show again? <laughs> like that one. No, nope, like, never. Listen, you little jerk. And I'm like, yeah, if it was the right thing, perhaps. But it's like, I never had that experience. It's just always been you work, then you don't work, then you work, then you don't work. Right. Yeah. Right. With the Drake and Josh and Drake show. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what I call it. I don't care what anybody says. It has a ring to it. Uh, Drake. What's <laughs> he doing? For I'm just Drake. Um, did you, so you come out here, you start auditioning, you get that thing mm. after how many years here? Well, I moved here for. Oh, you moved here for it. I moved here for the Amanda show. And Drake and I were on that. Okay. And then the creator of that show who created 20 shows, he was like the Chuck Lorre of kids television. They approached him and said, we'd love a buddy comedy. What do you got? And he saw that Drake and I kind of had this spark together. And then six months later, we were doing the pilot. Wow. Yeah. So back then, you were still using food to sort of... Yeah, even when you're a kid, do you know you're using food for means other than nutrition? Or is it now, wow, I've gotten this reinforcement to stay the chubby kid, so that's what I'm going to do? I f***ing hated it all. Like, my mom has struggled her whole life with it. And so growing up, it was like I was always in that household where we had, like, the snack wells and, like, the Weight Watchers food. And I was like, can we get some Gushers or some fruit roll-ups over here? I'm six. Yeah, Like, this doesn't feel... So I never had a normal relationship with food. And then it was, like, its own weird... Weird, like uh, what's it called self self fulfilling prophecy prophecy yeah, yeah. Right. where I was like because I I look back at that and I think that's for a lot of us I was like I was cute I was thin yeah. like thinish right. like I was like 
acceptably chubby, not scary chubby as a kid. <laughs> right, right. You were in no danger. Yes. There was not going to be diabetes or a heart attack at six. <laughs> yeah, not yet. <laughs> and I remember like all of a sudden, like around nine or 10, when I started being able to go to like, I remember I started walking to school by myself when I was 11 in the mm-hmm. city. And then I would start going to bodegas, buying yeah. my own lunch. And the, you know, we were off the rails. But it it's so interesting that between it's only was like I started losing weight when I was seventeen. Yeah. So my big years were between eleven and seventeen, but those that adolescence is so defining. Right. Right. I'll qualify it now to people that didn't know me back then. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, you know, when I was you know, a big fat mess. Right. And then, then they'll say, Oh, I don't you were? I don't I don't know you as that. Right. I'm like, Yeah, but you could tell, right? And they're like, No, you actually look quite normal. Like I wouldn't know so that. Do you actually think now people might still see you as Big Josh? Well, I feel like it's so much a part of my story if mm. you knew me since I was a kid. Right. Because my right. awkward, chubby years are on reruns. Yes. Right. So right. I can't burn the yearbooks and, you know, swear my family to secrecy and say, let's not talk about that, which because so many kids go through a rough phase like that. I mean, mine was particularly. But, yeah, I qualify it now. And a lot of people say, like, no need, no mm. need to like because I've I've been this weight for 12 years. I know. I know you as this weight. How yes. long ago was our dopey movie together? Like, that was a while back. <laughs> Judd Apatow's only failure. Failure. I know. Isn't it great? Uh, I mean, arguably, his worst movie ever was <laughs> This is 40. <laughs> that was three hours of my life that angered me. Like, I, I usually don't get angry at movies I hate, but I go, three freaking hours of this thing? Yet our movie tanked. <laughs> and I blame Owen Wilson because he tried to commit suicide after <laughs> acting with me. So I think it's all his fault for making my movie career not take off. Wouldn't it be great to be that bitter person who actually believed that? That's amazing. And guaranteed there are people out there who have that bitterness too. Oh, yes. Like, you know, you though, here's what's cool about you. You lose this weight. You uh, then start auditioning again. And you keep the weight off. And you reinvent and you reinvent and you reinvent. Did you feel like you need to reinvent or you just kind of evolve? Like, because I'm at the point, somebody said to me the other day, are you glad you keep reinventing yourself? I'm like, no, I don't. I just keep like growing as a person. So then these other things happen. It's like Mm. Howard Stern. Like he didn't go, I need to reinvent myself. He was like, oh, I kind of don't like doing that anymore. How does it feel for you to do sort of a... Do, did you re- consciously reinvent or just have it happen? I Yeah. I mean, I look, I spent my 20s trying to be someone else. Mm. And I think so there was a level of reinvention because I remember I'd hit a wall as the fat guy mm-hmm. where it was like I would be relegated to either the chubby, funny friend or the chubby bully. Right. And I kind of played both those parts. Right. And inevitably and I and tell me if, if it was this way for you growing up, I was chubby and I would see my friends like dating mm-hmm. and I'd be like, Jim is no dime piece. I'm I like, know. he's I got know. a rough face. He looks, <laughs> you know, it looks like he got punched out by a heavyweight. <laughs> and I'm like. Here I am, adorable, but I got this, you know, fat suit on and it keeps people at bay. Nobody's talking to me. So it was like a part of me was like, I want to date. I want to. So I remember losing the weight and feeling as though, well, now I have to be the action star Mm. and the leading man and thinking that would 
complete me yeah. and make me happy. And then, of course, and I even got cast in some of those roles. And I look back at that work now and go like, oh, it's not particularly good or bad. It's more bad than good. Right. But more so, I just look at that guy and go like, God, you just seem so uncomfortable. Oh. You just seem like you're trying so hard. But look, that's that's what we do. That's we try we do. different things. Yeah. Now, do you think... You were just trying to, you know, in our 20s and 30s, it's all about like experimenting and all that stuff. When you say you tried to be the action star and this and that, all these different things we try to fill the hole, Mm. you know, it's like there's that empty hole inside that we're not enough. And, you know, a lot of people say our big fears are I'm never going to be loved and I'm not enough. Mm. And that's clearly what everything kind of boils down to. So do you feel like what has filled the hole for you now that, you know, food didn't work? You know, work doesn't work. You know, freaking dating doesn't work because, you know, you're married, so you're not dating anymore, I assume. And it's just like, what fills the hole for you in a healthy way? Was that hard to find? And did you find something yet? Well, I don't know if I've ever talked about this, but I'll I'll sort of talk about like my bottom or Mm -hmm. my moment of clarity. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm 11 years sober. Wow. So it came hand in hand with like, I gave up the food, but I still had the same head. So, uh-huh. so that's you switched addictions. Yeah. Right. I mean, because I didn't have my medicine anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I always, I always look at guys who are like in their sixties and they're like 35 years sober, but they're fat. They, they smoke two packs a day and they're single. And I'm like, maybe you should just drink. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to be better. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you might be more tolerable. But I, uh, I remember I lost all the weight. Mm-hmm. And I, did you lose the weight? Like, with the help of drugs, meaning like, was it just like, hey, man, I might as well do coke. Just the last 30 pounds. Nice. <laughs> I, oh, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember I did that movie, The Wackness. Oh, so good. Thank you. And it was like it encapsulated everything I had dreamt of, which was like being the lead of this cool movie. And it was with Ben Kingsley, yeah. who's my favorite actor. All the things that I had told myself would complete me. Right. And right. we were at Sundance and the movie's a hit. People love it. Mm. And I remember I was miserable. And like I truly had everything I wanted in that moment of the outside world. And it confirmed my suspicion that I'd had my whole life, which is you're bottomless. Like nothing's ever going to fill you. Mm -hmm. And this was January of 2008. And I remember a month later I I got sober and started working on the spiritual life and all the stuff, all the inner work. Mm. And it was only then, and this was 21. And so people say like, wow, it happened early. I'm like, yeah, kind of. But look at my trajectory. Mm. Like, look at the time in which I started to medicate and anesthetize yeah. my feelings. Right, so, right. So this bottom was just realizing that's pretty profound that all the stuff I tried to fill the hole with does not work, even if I have them all at the same time. Yeah. Because sometimes people will be like, well, food will fill the hole. Nope, that didn't work. Oh, career. Nope, that didn't work. Oh, this will fill the hole. And it's like, oh, man, I get everything I want at the same time, lightning bolt. If you hadn't listened to that voice, where do you think you'd be? I'm much more successful, probably. <laughs> but a big cokehead, God, weird. like yeah. that would. Be, what was your drug? Oh, I was on everything but skates. No I mean, kidding. I was a garbage head. Wow. Yeah, I, I kind of anything. love that because I've never tried anything but pot occasionally. Right. And this was years ago, like in high school. I think I smoked at high school graduation to look cool, <laughs> even though I didn't know how to do it. You know, but I wouldn't even. That's why I've never done drugs. I think, or you know, in my adult life, because I go. 
well, I'd look so uncool trying it now. Mm. Like, if I tried to snort Coke now, I wouldn't look good doing it. Like, how would I even do it? I don't know how it works. Does it go in your mouth or up your nose or up your ass? What, what the hell? I think you get all three. All of them I at think the you same can do time. All three. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I have friends in like their 40s who still do a little blow every oh, now and then. And I'm like, really, Neil? Oh. Like, <laughs> Neil, give up butter. Yeah. Okay, we should be giving up butter by 40. Yeah, I'm like, wait, you, you need to do a little booger sugar on the side oh, to like remember you were young once. Right, I, right. But again, like if you can do a little Coke and be stoked and it doesn't like wreck you for the rest of the year, good for you, I guess. I don't know. Part of me. me is very intolerant when it comes to drugs and alcohol. Really? And I know that's part of my problem. Hmm. I have a friend who actually understands it. She'll be telling me a story of what happened and she'll be like the other night or whatever and she'll go, you know, I know you don't approve of pot, but, you know, I had a, a half of a, what are those, edibles? Mm. And I just go, I, I don't, I am just weirdly disapproving. What do you and think I, that I'm is? so provincial, but I, I kind of go, feel your feelings, asshole. Mm. Not her, but I'm like, like, yeah, like everybody, like just feel your feelings. Or instead of taking something to combat your party anxiety, your social anxiety, which basically means you're just afraid to be vulnerable and mm. have a good conversation with somebody and say, I'm uncomfortable, just freaking say it. Like, I like uncomfortable discussions that lead to comfort. So in other words, say I don't know you that well. I'm like, oh, Josh Peck, man, I've been a fan and I feel kind of weird coming up to you, but you know, I wanted to tell you. Remember the time I called you and said I love the Wackness? Yes. I told Eva, who is here as my assistant this week, and I said, I felt like such a tool after I called you because I was crying how much I was affected by it. And I go, I wonder if Josh thinks I'm totally queer. And then I'm like, if he does, maybe that's his issue, not mine. And I don't think you ever held it against me that I actually was emotional. Yeah. So I think those are conversations that I go, well, have that when you're not on pot. Mm. Like, that's more of a risk. And then you like somebody better because you were real. Does that make sense? I think that's 100% true. And do you find, for me, because I had that for so long, mm. especially in this crazy business, right, where odd behavior is not only, like, accepted, it's promoted, right? Mm. Or it's like that old saying, like, if you're poor, you're crazy. If you're rich, you're eccentric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we allow this behavior because you're a beautiful starlet or you're successful. Right. Right. And by the time I got into my late twenties or thirties, I realized that a lot, I'm pretty, like I'm a pretty good dude. Yeah. And like, I put a value on making other people comfortable. Mm. And I tend to get into this great, easy back and forth with people that are similar in that way. Right. Like right. people that want to be there, that are willing to like work at the conversation a little to get to that yeah. space that you talk about. So that if I'm uncomfortable in a situation, it probably ain't me. Yeah. Like yeah. we, A, might not be vibing, which is fine. Not mm -hmm. everyone can. And be like, because I, I know that I'm doing my best to make this easy. Yeah. So if it's not easy, it like, and that's a gift of age too, where you kind of go, not in every scenario, but you kind of let off yourself and go, maybe it isn't me. Maybe right. I'm not the weirdo that can't like connect with this gorgeous starlet who thinks everything they say is like god's gift oh and they think they're funny oh god stop they it they're funny pretty girls stop being funny you're not funny. <laughs> you're you didn't have funny. to you didn't have to go through what we did <laughs> like it's we earned a, it oh it's such an interesting thing but yeah i i I don't know. I, I, I found those moments super revealing for me of, of mm. being able to let off myself and not be so like, I mean, I used to walk away from situations like literally feeling like you're the, you're the worst. Yeah. You're 
so uninteresting. Like they saw you coming a mile away and they could tell you were a loser. Right. And like, and I used to walk into situations like that. Yeah. Well, what was the switch for you? Like what, what made you go, Hey, wait a minute. Was it a switch or just gradually go, Hey, it's not me. I'm just being me and that's okay. I think, I think it was just time and accruing enough experience and, (laughs) and then also, I, there have been so few moments in my life that I've that have truly been make or break moments, mm. and I've I used to always project that and trumpet and say, God, if only that had gone better, what would be the trajectory of my life? Right. Instead of like accepting the fact that like your life trajectory is the sum of a thousand little things. Yeah. It's like unless you hit, you know, you're drunk driving and you run over someone. Like mm-hmm. there are very few make or break type moments like that. So I've you know if I don't have a great interaction or a casting director rejects me or maybe I like walk into a a meeting with someone important and I don't like knock their socks off. Right. That it's all okay. Yeah. Yeah. It it is almost like if we add and that's okay to almost everything we do. Yeah. It it, it really is so much better because it's like, oh, I cried on the phone to Josh and that's okay. Yes. And if, oh, uh, suppose you had been the kind of guy to pull away and think I was a freaking weirdo. Um, then you go, well, Josh doesn't like vulnerability and that's okay. Like it's almost like you don't take it personally. Mm. Taking things personally is when we get all wrapped up and messed up. And how do we not uh, – that's something I work on is the not – I mean I still to this day take a lot of crap personally. Oh, I now know a lot of tools to help. But mm. there's – I mean it's freaking work. It's like every day doing this particular kind of work where you just go – I can't let myself off the hook and do that all the time. You know, so for instance, like, what do you take personally? Here, I'll show you a real quick tool. And it's like really intense in a coaching session. But, you know, here we'll do it just kind of, kind of frivolously. Like, yes. okay, what did you take personally recently? So something silly. Oh, something. Well, like, oh, I, I didn't get invited to a birthday party that I thought I should get invited I to. I thought I apologized for that. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know what, by the way, before, just to divert a little bit, yeah. um, digress, I mean, um, some people don't invite us to things because they think we're too busy. Did you ever have that? You ever feel like you're the pretty girl that nobody asks to the prom? Yeah, especially now with a wife and a kid. Oh, yeah. People think like, I would oh. be afraid to ask you to do anything. Right. Like, I would be so afraid to go, Josh, let's have dinner because I'd feel you'd be like, doesn't this bitch know I have a kid? You know, I was almost afraid to ask you to come on here. I go, the guy's got kids. What am I going to do now? I get it. Right. Okay, so you weren't invited to this birthday party. What was the thought? You didn't get the invitation, not the feeling, because we know thoughts lead to feelings, not feelings lead to thoughts. What was the thought in your head about you when you didn't get invited? Uh, That I've been like ostracized from the group. Okay, so I'm ostracized from the group. What does that mean, being ostracized from a group to you as a human? That there are people I work with, Mm -hmm. so it like threatens my pocketbook, like my— Okay, doesn't—I'm going to push back on you with that. I don't think that's what it is. What's the deeper thing? What's Josh? I get what's yeah, Josh. I guess it's it's the the yeah not being except not being yeah not being uh, included. Like I'm not of right. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. It's so interesting. This my friend calls it the six degrees of worthiness. Every single one of these things leads to I'm not worthy or I'm not going to be loved or I'm not enough. So I'm Josh and I'm not worthy to be invited to this party. Mm. And yes, it's sad and it hurts. Here's the question that Byron Katie does this thing called the work, which is a really long exercise. However, to short version. Okay. 
in the moment, it feels you're not worthy. So if I say to you, is that true? The answer is like, yes, it's true that I'm not worthy. Do you absolutely, question two, do you absolutely know it's true that you're not worthy of these friends? No. Right. So if you were to be watching that person who wouldn't even have the thought of worthiness and just kind of was like, oh, I wasn't invited, what does that person behave, feel, think, and act like? If you're watching this guy on the screen, he wasn't invited and he just moves on, what is he What is he thinking? What is he feeling? What's he doing? Undisturbed. Right. Yeah, Ferrari maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about filling the hole. <laughs> but isn't it interesting? And then we go, well, that's who I'm supposed to be. Mm. That guy who goes, oh, I didn't even kind of notice or I did. And, oh, it's not about worthiness. It's about just, you know, they didn't think of it. Mm. You know, so we like assume all this shit about ourselves is wrong when it's really just kind of could be an oversight, could be. An, but I love the stories we tell ourselves to have to be dismantled. Yes. Because on the deepest level, it's like, I am just unlovable. Yeah, I think so. I think that's probably a big, that's probably a big part of it. I just am so disappointed in the human race half the time, Lisa. <laughs> yeah, which is a shame because, you know, when I, you know, you look at a lot of people and you go, they all have their stories and everybody has it so hard and this and that. And I've been pretty lucky. And I think it's just learning to handle disappointment. Mm. And you know what? One note's wild. I'm disappointed because we're out of time. But here I'm writing down myself a note. Will you, Josh Peck, do me the honor of coming back and recording a future episode with me? Because I wrote down literally 10 things I have to talk to you about if we can record again in the future. Would you do that? An honor, a privilege, yes, of course. Oh, my God, because we've got literally every issue I have, you have, which I love. Great. Because I think, like, we're exactly alike, and that's why I cried at your dopey movie, which, by <laughs> the way, was not dopey, which was effing great. Where is that available, by the way? I, I know you're not plugging it, but is that on anywhere, like Netflix and stuff? It's got to be. It was on Netflix. I don't think it is anymore. I don't Yeah, I'm God, Red Pop. <laughs> Freaking good bread boxes. That exists. I don't know. Now, Josh, before we – oh, what I want you to do is can you stick around for two more minutes because I want you to help some of my awesome listeners who wrote in with problems. Can you stick around and help? I'd be honored. Yay. Yes. Okay. And real quick, where can people find you, Josh? Uh, you can find me on, uh, I don't know, Instagram at Shuapek, but I have a podcast too called Oh, yes. Curious. I love it. Lisa is my only return guest <gasps> thus far. And you're my only return guest rusted so uh our episodes are great so yeah you can check that out wherever podcasts are available yay okay we'll be right back with let lisa help you're listening to let lisa help with lisa lampanelli curb appeal you know it when you see it and with the home depot today is the day for doing boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices from new garage doors to colorful flowers exterior lights to a new coat of paint inspiration to installation you can do it or let the home depot do it for you visit homedepot.com services for more information on installing your next project the home depot more saving more do it u.s only see store for details 
Podcast One presents the Gigi Podcast with Rick Fox, Jace Hall, and Todd Roy. Log on to see the world behind the esports you love and find out what good game really means from the trio who's taken the business by storm. Whoopi literally goes, No, I agree with Rick. And she played Diablo. She plays Diablo. She plays Diablo. She's a gamer. Download new episodes of the Gigi Podcast every week on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And now back to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli back with Let Lisa Help, the podcast you never wanted to listen to, and now you're glad you don't. I'm here with Josh Peck, my special guest. And Josh, thank you so much for coming in. This has been so much fun. But before you go, I have some listeners who are desperate for advice. So desperate they'll even listen to us. I can't wait. So here's the first one. This is from Kathleen. And she writes, I was in a severe car accident in 2014. Oh, so this is going to be like a comedy one. (laughs) (laughs) Which resulted in many surgeries and many metal plates, ouch, rods and screws to be inserted into my body. Wow, that does not sound fun unless it's a sex thing. I gained 70 pounds as the result of the inactivity. I've tried isogenic. I don't know what that is. Do you know what that is, Josh? I is it I think it's like a fasting program like a shakes, isogenics. Oh, gross. And working out with a trainer three times a week. I lost 20 pounds but no more. Then I feel depressed and eat. Oh my god, I'm lost and sad. Can you help? Josh, I'm telling you, that's why I got weight loss surgery mm. because honestly, 7 years ago, I had that bottom where I was like, you know what? When you get to a certain age or where you can't move like Kathleen can't, you just go, dude, I'm going to stick with this 20-pound loss, then look in the mirror, hate myself, get depressed, eat more, get depressed at how I look, and it's a vicious cycle. It never Mm. stops. So for someone in the position of, hey, I can't really move that much, I keep losing the same amount, the lousy 20 pounds, and the depression leads to eating and eating to depression, what would you advise? Adderall. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you know, the thing, and I don't know how limited she is Mm movement-wise, but I would say, look, Richard Simmons, that was the best. He was the king of that, right? Right. He found a way to bring movement to people who were either severely much, much more overweight or maybe were just dealing with the fact that they didn't want to go to a gym and wanted to be at home sweating to the oldies. Right. So I'd say any movement is better than no movement. Yeah, that's true. And can definitely help spark everything. You know, there's the simple ways and people always ask me how I lost weight and I wish I had a secret other than like you got to burn more calories than you consume. Right. And but inevitably, like in addition to the eating healthy portion of it, which there's so many, you know, I think you've said this, like all diets work if you stick to it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is, is that I think there's the emotional side, too, because as she said, yeah. There's that. And so I think, you know, that's where you're the expert with. Yeah, that whole like getting depressed and eating. I still, seven years after that freaking surgery, work every single day on emotional eating. Mm. Like even driving here today, I was like, okay, am I physically hungry? Mm, No, not yet. Am I physically hungry? Okay, now I am. Because if I start eating when I'm not physically hungry, it just goes. Yes. You know, last night, I'll admit it. I went to dance class and I was like, I bet I won't be hungry when I get home. Yet I had a, I'm smart enough not to have sweets in the house because that's the devil to me and it makes me just crazy. But I'm like, I want to have a little snack in bed with the dog. You know, mm. I get like that, oh, because. And it's, not, and it's just like, oh, I'm being a big baby. But you know what? I ate a small enough amount today to allow that. So it's almost like using food 
in the wrong way, but at least I did it in a small way. Sure. So for someone like Kathleen, who I totally, I have a very good friend who has had many metal plates and um, car accidents, move as much as you can or as little. And honestly, we all know food is 80 to 90% of it. It's really not the movement as much. The movement for her almost seems that it could be more about keeping the muscles going and not getting stiff. So I think, Kathleen, if you could, I would first of all, Look into getting some therapy about emotional eating because whenever we eat over a problem, then we have what? Two problems because that freaking food does not solve it. So I would see somebody if possible, see a coach, maybe pay Elisa Lampanelli a minimal sum, which is a fantastic deal. She accepts Bitcoin. I do. I'm very cheap. I accept food. But yeah, and don't be lost and sad over it. That's what makes me sad when you said I'm lost and sad because, you know, it's kind of a formula. Hey, eat less, question why you're eating, fill the hole with something other than food and find out what that is. And there's a lot out there that we can be grateful enough that even if we can't move that much, there's things that we can love that fill the hole. Like what have you used positively? Because I know we we circled, didn't circle back to that. What do you think like like makes you feel really full instead of food now? I mean, inevitably it all goes back and this is like an ancient truth that is sort of spans all of spirituality, be it Buddhism or Mm -hmm. any of the great religions, it's service, right? It's getting out of self. Mm -hmm. Get over yourself. You can't think your way into right acting. You have to act your way into right thinking. Right, right. So it's got to be about, you know, no matter how challenging or tough we think we have it, there's usually someone else that can benefit from our story Mm -hmm. and our experience and someone, I mean, it's inevitably it's getting out of self. So, I mean, I have friends that will literally let me call them and they'll set a timer for how long they'll let me pitch. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to get five minutes. Mm -hmm. And after that, it's just, yeah. uh, You know, it's like uh, elliptical. You're just, you know, going in a circle. Right. And so for me, that's important. And I think, and obviously when people have limitations with injury and whatnot, it's harder to move, but I actually find that the exercise or the movement portion of it is more important now for me than Mm -hmm. the diet. Mm -hmm. Cause the diet, if when I just did that alone, when I first lost a lot of weight, it becomes so obsessive. And yeah. then it becomes like yeah. literally I'm talking about, you know, I'm working in a hundred calorie sort of uh, ratios because, you know, it becomes so tight because it is yeah. all diet based. Right. But as soon as I started actively be it like sometimes I'll just walk my kid around and be like, I got 20,000 steps. Yeah. I'm good for the day. Like the kid's tired because he doesn't even walk yet. <laughs> right. Wow, that poor kid. But it allowed me so much more room to say like, yeah, you know what? I can have a little bit of a, in quotes, cheat every day because mm. I've got the room for it because when I have to get too dialed in with my diet is when I go nuts. Absolutely. I can't get too strict. Well, that's why this black or white thinking never works, mm. you know, because that's why people lose tons of weight on the Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig's and then keep, put it right back on because yes. black and white instead of going, okay, I ate a little too much today and that's okay. Tomorrow it'll be better. And what's great about food versus alcohol, you can say, hey, I can start with the next meal. I can mm. start over on the next snack or the next meal instead of with AA and all that. I mean, you lose your freaking 10 years sober and you're back to day one. And it's really, really hard. With yeah. this, you go, okay, all right. So the next thing I put in my mouth, it's going to really fill me when I'm hungry and that's it. 
But yeah, Kathleen, if you can, work on the emotional eating. Figure out why you're eating. The big thing would be figure out why. And don't beat yourself up about it, first of all. Because keep accountable without beating yourself up, which is a huge freaking great way to live. And it's difficult. But nobody ever made real change by getting yelled at. Mm. I mean, we've seen that. So, uh, Kathleen, God bless. I'm so happy that you at least wrote because it means like you're willing to look for help, which is really cool. Also, if you've had like a severe accident or something, do like Josh said, keep moving because just keep it. It sounds dirty, but keep it lubed up. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just keep that lube going. That natural lube. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> Josh, you are such a pleasure. I freaking love you. Love I'm so you. happy we met. This is the best. I, I'm telling you, it was so funny when we met because I was like, okay, this kid can take a joke in a car scene because we were in a car many times together making Jewish jokes and Italian jokes <laughs> at each other. So everyone hated us and said, we can hear you, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I'm a comic mother. You know? I, I love how that stuck with you. Oh, oh my God. It totally <laughs> still... I'm still sort of shamed by it. I love it. Well, we'll talk about that next time for sure. We're in part two coming soon. That's right. Josh, again, find him at S-H-U-A Peck on Instagram. Did I get that right? Beauty. I love how you are so famous. You didn't even have to use your real name. No problem. You're so famous. (laughs) We'll be right back with more Let Lisa Help with our segment, Coach the Coach, in which my actual clients call in and tell me how I effed up. It's time to Coach the Coach. Hey, everybody. It's Lisa Lampanelli, the former queen of mean, now the queen of meaning. And part of our show is where my real clients get to call in and tell me how fantastic I am and then tell me how lousy I am as a coach. But we all know what I really am, a gift. Today, our caller on Let Lisa Help is my good friend who's actually one of my great clients, Mikey. Mikey, you there? Hi. Hi. Mikey is literally the only client I have who we go, hi and bye, love you, mean it. And I think that was established because, first of all, you're a homosexual man. Is that true? Oh, of course. We all say that. That's how you and I greet each other, which is nice. But want to know what's great about coaching you? First of all, other than the fact that you work on yourself, you do your homework, you order the books, you read them, and you move forward, you also get down to serious business. You don't dick around a lot and joke around and try to, you know, deflect. So have you always been the kind of guy who can work on themselves or is this sort of new to you? I have worked on myself in the past, but it just depends on if I'm really, really down for it 100%. Because if I'm not interested in something, then I'm just not going to do it. Right. So what was it about, you know, hearing that I had switched to coaching that made you say, I want to start working on some issues I have? Because I think I looked at your life transformation. I was like, oh my God, like the queen of mean just changed her whole life around like anybody can. Yeah. I mean, if it's like Lisa can do it, who couldn't? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I get what you mean. It's like we kind of always have to look for those examples of other people who we could say, hey, wait a minute. Like that's a person who's sort of in my wheelhouse and I can, you know, emulate what they've done. So what was the first big issue you and I worked on? I think it was more so just figuring out my life plan and 
where what the steps that I need to take to get to where I want to be. Yeah, because when you first started talking to me, you were like, look, I've got to get out of this state I live in. I don't there's no opportunities for me there. And I was like, well, then let's put together an action plan where you can actually achieve something that you want to achieve, depending on what that is. So you had right before you met me done a reality show, correct? Yeah. Okay. And what oh, was God. that? What was that? <laughs> well, if there's any 12 year old listeners right now, I'm sure they've seen me on uh, MTV Catfish. Oh, I'm so popular with 12 year olds. And you sort of, by doing that experience, what did you figure out what you liked about it and what you didn't? Well, when I did it, it was a good opportunity because it's just like, oh, it was like a one time thing. So it's not like I'm signing my life away or anything. And it kind of just gave me a little bit of a taste of what that is like to deal with like all the cameras and everything like that to see kind of like a test to see how I could take the pressure of it Mm -hmm. and I liked it I really loved it a lot so that's when I was like hey I could do this right so our plan that we put together was like hey you want to get out of the state you live in you want to move on you want to move to New York or LA well you got to save money you got to figure out how much it costs to live there how much it costs to move and I because of your age how old are you now 21 I'll be 21 in like three weeks okay because of your age I literally figured okay you're gonna get off the phone and not do any of the homework you won't have a budget you won't have a plan and by the next week, you had everything on paper of how much money you needed and how much you needed to save every week. And I've got like a freaking 20-year-old who's doing more work than a lot of 50-year-olds out there. And you could clearly skate by for a few more years and not have a plan. So I was really impressed that you as a young person were able to move forward. Do you find that it's sort of are you an anomaly among your age group of the people you know, or does everyone you know kind of have these goals and have some sort of regimen about doing them? I mean, my close friends do have strong goals and everything, but most people my age, I find, don't necessarily have like specific long-term goals like that. Right, right. Well, you know, I again, you should really pat yourself on the back and occasionally people should take the time to say, hey, I did good, you know, and you've had your derailing moments where you're like, oh, I didn't save as much this week or I spent when I shouldn't have. But for the most part, it's sort of, oh, I always have that action plan to go back to. So what has coaching in that area helped you with and what do you feel good about? That area has like totally helped me because I think before I just easily dismissed like the whole idea of me moving and everything because I'm like oh well that's not realistic but Mm. once I really sat down and saw for myself like actual numbers and everything like that I was like wait I could totally do this it's not impossible yeah so you actually did what we use a tool in my workshops called resilience training which is basically you accepted the reality You wrote down how much it would cost, what you needed to save, and you found out that, oh, the reality is I can actually do this and not think it's a far-fetched dream and be a 40-year-old guy still living in the same hometown who's a drunk and getting laid by horrible people. You actually can have a dream and a goal and not be bitter about it. So I like the fact that with resilience, it just, when you finally accept reality, which you did... You take little steps every day to make your dream come true because it's not a, a a dream that is so far out of your reach. It's like, no, it's a finite amount of money that I need. 
and then you just kind of keep moving on. So I like that you sort of took to this resilient tool really quickly. Now, is clearly I'm like a phenomenal coach and the best coach for you that you ever met or ever will. But is there anything? Oh, 100%. That, oh, my goodness. Yes. Is there anything that I've done that you have not been comfortable or didn't like or anything I can do to get better? I feel like the only one thing that I could think of is I feel like sometimes you might hold back from like saying things oh. like I feel like. I've caught you a few times where I've said something and you're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, what was she going to say? Oh, that's interesting. Because I think what I tend to do is I don't want to come off bossy and advice givey because I know a good coach leads you to answers. But it sounds like what you're saying is that you like the approach of like, look, bitch, just tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you think is the right path and I'll make the decision if it is or isn't. Yeah, because like, even if I don't want to hear it, it's probably right anyway. <laughs> and, and you've made it pretty easy to tell you the truth. So I'm going to take that under advisement. So next time I coach you, bitch, get ready because the wrath of LL is coming upon you. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, do me a favor, Mike, Mikey, since you are, you know, uh, a, I wouldn't say a reality star, but an up and coming public figure. Where can people find you on Instagram? Are you on Instagram? Because you have really funny and good posts. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and everything else is all Mikey Majesty. Now, tell me real quick, where did the nickname come from? I came up with that like three years ago, and it's like kind of random because I was just trying to think of a double M because I don't know I like that and I'm like well I'm not going to change Mikey no. so I have to have an M last name that's very true so I just came up with majesty because I'm a Queen. Um, you are, girl. So listen, I am going to, I love it. I have so much more to talk to you about. I'm going to call you back in a future episode, and we're totally going to talk about the other issues we've been working on. Is that cool with you, Batch? Um, yeah, I'll see if I can pencil it in my schedule. Okay. Love you, mean it. Bye. <laughs> love you, mean it. Bye. What did we learn? Well, I think we've learned a lot today. Josh Peck taught us that even though you have a perfect body, mind, soul, and spirit like he does, there's still work to do. Food don't fill the hole, Coke don't fill the hole, and hey, even pretty girls don't. Just have a baby like he did. It totally works. I'm going to go adopt one or maybe even kidnap that kid. He's cute. Thanks for listening to Let Lisa Help with Lisa Lampanelli. For more info on Lisa's storytelling shows, her workshops, and her life coaching services, go to lisalampanelli.com. You can also follow Lisa on the socials at Lisa Lampanelli. New episodes of Let Lisa Help are available weekly on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. And if you love the show, make sure to leave a rating and review. Curb Appeal. You know it when you see it. And with the Home Depot, today is the day for doing. Boost your curb appeal with the best brands at the best prices. From new garage doors to colorful flowers. Exterior lights to a new coat of paint. Inspiration to installation. You can do it or let the Home Depot do it for you. Visit homedepot.com slash services for more information on installing your next project. The Home Depot. More saving. More do it. U.S. only. See store for details.
AP News is sponsored by ADT. Real protection is professionally installed smart home security backed by 24-7 monitoring. Our team will help you customize a system for your home, including video doorbells, indoor and outdoor cameras, smart locks, and lights that can be controlled from the ADT app or the sound of your voice. You can even help keep your loved ones safe on the go with location sharing, driving activity alerts, and an emergency SOS button through the ADT Go app. That's ADT. Real protection.